picture yourself in a tacky southern tourist town. Then add real-life monsters and supernatural mobsters. This is Cloudburst Falls, West Virginia, a place dubbed the most magical place in America, and home to Lila Merriweather, a 17-year-old thief with a gift for transference who's about to get caught in the middle of a brewing war between the two most powerful mob families in town. Cold Burn of Magic is the first book in the brand new Black Blade series by New York Times bestselling author Jennifer Estep, acclaimed for her richly imagined world building, unique voice, and action-packed plots, available wherever books are sold and at kensingtonbooks.com. Now entering Nerdist.com. My name is Ben Blacker. I'm the host and creator of the Nerdist Writers Panel, which you are currently listening to. I'm also a TV writer myself, having written for Supernatural, Super Ninjas, and currently for uh, the DreamWorks Netflix program Puss in Boots. Check it out. It's now available. I'm also the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour, a stage program in the style of old-time radio that is now a podcast right here on the Nerdist Network every week. Go to thrillingadventurehour.com for more details. If you enjoy the Nerdist Writers Panel, please leave a review on iTunes and let us know who you want to see on this program by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, just like it sounds, and by liking this show on Facebook, facebook.com slash Panel. Now, here's a theme song, or an ad. The Thrilling Adventure Hour is going down under Sydney, Auckland, Wellington, Several shows, uh, the, all the work juice players, including Paul F. Tompkins, Mark Evan Jackson, Paget Brewster, Autumn Reeser, everyone. Special guests, Molly Quinn, Janet Varney, Jenny Wade. It's going to be great. Music, fun, scripts that you've never seen before, Australia. Um, there's also going to be an improv show in Auckland. Uh, it's, it's going to be crazy. Go to thrillingadventurehour.com slash downunder for all the details. Um, and that means I'm going to Australia and New Zealand. And uh, I want to know from you, Nerdist Writers Panel listeners, if there are TV writers that I should try to talk to while I'm there. As I said, I'll be in Sydney, Australia, Auckland, New Zealand, and Wellington, New Zealand. Uh, what's going on in television in Australia? What's going on in television in New Zealand? Anything? I don't know anything. Uh, so drop me a line at facebook.com slash nerdistwriterspanel, or better yet, tell me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, and uh, tell me if there are people I should talk to in Australia and New Zealand. As ever, thank you for listening. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel, and it's hosted by Ben Blacker, where he gets a bunch of writers, and he asks them lots of questions, and it's starting now, so this will be the end of the theme. No, I'll tell it. I'll tell it. <laughs> um, basically, it was that I wanted to talk to her... I had to write a paper about what, you know, about something, about mm-hmm. my experience, you know, so you can get the credit for the internship. And so I was going to write some, like, generic something about, you know, the meaning of Oprah Winfrey or something like that. And, um, and then I said to my boss, and I was in the Oprah online department, I said to my boss, I said, uh, you know, I have to write this paper, I want to talk to Oprah. He's like, um, what are you talking about? I've worked here for four years and I've never even met Oprah. And that's not happening. And I was like, <laughs> oh... That's weird. Okay. And then I talked to like some of the other producers I had met. I was there for like maybe six months total. I talked to some of the other producers I had met and I said, Oh, I, I want to write this paper. Is it like totally out of the question that I would? And they were all like, it's totally out of the question. You, you can't like, you know, talk to Oprah. 
So I was like, well, this is interesting. And so then I decided that I wanted to write my paper about the f- about that, about the fact that like a lot of people at the company even like sort of viewed her as as the Oprah that we all view her as, you know, and sort of like that celebrity notion and all that, like even within the, her own company. And so I, uh, so I, <laughs> at lunch, and there's a cafeteria within Harpo Studios, and at lunch I went up to her assistant, whose name I remember, Irma Bueno, and I said, Irma, my name is Chad Hodge. I'm a student at Northwestern. I'm an intern in the online division, which is like in a building next door, by the way. And I would love to talk to Oprah about this, about this paper. And she said, put it in writing. And I was like, okay. So I you know, for sure didn't expect that response. So I went to write a letter. I was like, okay, what am I going to write to Oprah? What, you know, what should I say? What should I say? What my paper is going to be about? So I did so many drafts of this letter. And then I thought, wait a second, if I'm Oprah Winfrey, what do I want to read? Like a one sentence letter. Right. So I just wrote, Dear Miss Winfrey, my name is Chad Hodge. I'm an intern in your online department, and I'd like to talk to you for 15 minutes for my paper. Awesome. And then two weeks later, um, Irma came up to me at lunch, and she said, she'll meet with you on April 3rd at 7.15 a.m. I was, like, blown away. I could not believe it. I was like, holy shit. Um, And so April 3rd, I was there in a suit, like at se- at six forty five, I think I got there. And she said, "Take a seat." At, you know, because they tape so many shows a day. I mean, that place starts early. And I sat there uh, in like the little waiting area next to Oprah's office. And then she brought you know Irma bo- brought me in. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> and I was just like, "Hi." She's like, "Hi." We, just the two of us in her office, like sitting across from each other, like as close as you and I are sitting to each other now. And it was, you know, and I said, well, I, I started off wanting to write a paper about, you know, something that couldn't really figure it out, something generic, something about, you know, the meaning of Oprah Winfrey or my experience working here or, uh, you know, all that. And then I started talking to, you know, my boss and, and a lot of your producers and a lot of the people at work here, and they all told me that I would never be able to meet with you. And she said, what? And I said, well, a lot of them said they hadn't even met you or that, you know, that, that it was a lot to expect to, you know, to do. And she's like, well, I'm so glad you, you know, asked. And, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease into that. And so, and she wanted to know, like, who said what and oh the whole God. thing. And so we talked all about that. And I, I went in, like I said, at 7.15. And then when I left... I looked down at my watch and it was 8.45 a.m. So I was in there for an hour and a half. It was amazing. And she was so nice and so smart. And I remember one of the first things she said was, where's your tape recorder? And I said, uh, and I remember thinking, should I bring one? But then I thought, no way, because Oprah Winfrey will be like, you can absolutely not record our conversation. But she's like, every good reporter has a tape recorder. And I was like, okay. And I'm just like (laughs) furiously writing everything down. And, um, And, you know... I can't remember all the details of what we talked about. I was 21 years. That was a long time ago. Um, but um, I, she said, send me your paper when you're done with it. So I sent her my paper. And then about a month, like, I didn't hear from her for a month. And my internship sure. was over and the whole yeah. thing. And you don't expect it. Yeah, and I didn't expect her to ever read it or hear from her. Of course. And a month later, my phone rings in my apartment in Evanston. And I remember, and I remember this so vividly, looking down at the caller ID, and it said... Harpo Studios. <laughs> and I thought maybe it's someone, for, anyone who I'd worked with or, you know, a payroll thing or something. And then I picked up and it, uh, she said, hi, Chad, it's, it's Irma Bueno, Oprah Winfrey's assistant. <laughs> I said, Irma, how you doing? And she was like, 
Oprah is really busy today. She's really busy every day. Oprah's really busy today, but she wanted me to call and tell you that she read your paper, and if she was your professor, she would give you an A. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, right? That's unbelievable. Isn't that a crazy story? I know. You can keep this in, right? Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This has to be, this has to be, like, at 21 years old to hear that it's... You did the right thing. Yes. You know, like was, that, that's an amazing lesson in and of itself for working in Hollywood, I feel like. Yeah, it, 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 it was definitely a huge confidence booster. And, you know, even working there, I thought when I was working there, I didn't have really anything to lose, which is, I yeah. think, what gave me the confidence to sort of go up to her assistant and say, well, right. you know. But Fuck you, it! Like also, I'm gonna ask, right. but like I didn't you really have anything to lose. You weren't a monster about it either. I wasn't a monster. Like, about you it. didn't run in and say I have right. to do this. You went through the right channels and you asked the right people first. Yeah, no, like, absolutely. But there's no harm in asking. There was no harm in asking. People... But I think that you know when you get into the real world, quote unquote, and like your real job, and you're actually being paid to do a thing, and and there are real stakes for you. Like you might be more scared, sure, to do oh, that. Of course. And so I was so happy. I mean, I mean, you know, I never even really thought about how that might have changed me, but of course it did. You know, when Oprah Winfrey lets you into her office, <laughs> exactly. like, of course that changes you. It was it was crazy and really great. And um, oh my god, I, I I think about that sometimes. And you know, I hope I ran into her one day so I can thank her again. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, and what a, a great entree to entertainment. Yes, huge. Um, yeah, huge. Were you? There, so. I, I want to talk about Wayward Pines. I want to talk about all the stuff you've worked on. But um, were you a TV kid? Was this something you always wanted to do? No, really. No, I was not. A so, TV what brought kid. you to that internship? Yeah. Um, well, I was a, as a kid. I was an actor, um, and as, really? as a lot of us, you know, are. And um, I, from five years old, I was like one of the kids in The King and I, and um, and I. <laughs> I, I was, you know, did all the plays I could do in junior high and high school and the whole thing. I was like the leads in all the musicals in my high school. I was Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors and all of that. Um, and uh, and I applied to Northwestern as a theater major, got in, and the summer between high school and college, I interned at a talent agency in Chicago. <laughs> it was a small agency, um, three agents and and me. I was the, you know, the receptionist, the assistant, the everything else. And um, there were like, you know, maybe three or four hundred actor clients. And looking back, this was, you know, an unfair, you know, experience to sort of make life decisions based on. But I remember all the actors would come in for their voiceover auditions every day or their paychecks because this is before direct deposit and all that. And I saw all the paychecks because, you know, I had them behind the desk. And it was I remember thinking like, oh, my God, there are like 350 actors who are represented here. And like three of them are making maybe thirty thousand dollars a year. Like. I can't do this. Like, like this is crazy. Right. Like, cause I, and I was going out for auditions that summer. I was like in a subway commercial and a few other things, but I was like, you know, and a lot of them would just come in and they were sitting there waiting for their voiceover auditions and they would talk to me and basically say, you know, if there's anything else you want to do, mm-hmm. you should do that. And so that summer really, really changed me because I did want to do other things. And I had a lot of friends who were actors who were amazing. And a lot of, most of them are still my friends today. And, um, And I knew that I was, like, okay, but I wasn't, like, amazing. Mm -hmm. So um, the first day of college, I switched my major to radio, TV, film. So and I never acted again. Well, all because of that one summer. Listen, that's an eye opener, but that's also a thing that 
you know, young writers go through, mm-hmm. where in the same position, they could have said the same thing. Three people are making a living doing this. Right. Uh, right. And are being told, if there's anything else you can do, mm-hmm. you should do it. No, absolutely. So, and, so how did that path uh, start to take shape? Right. I definitely didn't think... Uh, oh, I don't want to be an actor, so I'll be a writer. Mm-hmm. That was not what I was thinking at all. I was thinking like, oh, I'll be a producer, or mm-hmm. I'll go into marketing, or I'll be an agent, or, or something like but that. But you knew Some, you wanted to be around this yes, stuff. Yeah, I knew I wanted to be around this stuff. Um, and so every internship I did after that was like, the next summer I think I interned at a firm called Entertainment Marketing. We did like concert tour promotion stuff. <laughs> um, and, and then I interned at Oprah. And uh, so I was always sort of around the business. And then between my junior and senior year of college, I came out to L.A. to intern at uh, three days a week. I worked with a producer, a movie producer. And then two days a week, I worked with a casting director who is still a very good friend of mine today named Deborah Zane. Um, And uh, she's one of the best. And we had the best summer. I remember (laughs) this is a funny story. I remember calling her up. Can I sidebar? I remember Absolutely. calling her. <laughs> I remember calling her up because it was like I just looked at the list of casting directors and it was like I just mm-hmm. went to the bottom and it was Deborah <laughs> Zane. And you know little did I know she really is like, you know, in the top five casting mm-hmm. directors in the business. And I uh, I just called her up and I said, um, Hi, uh, this sounds like my Oprah story. I was like, hi, uh, my name's Chad Hodge. I'm a, I'm a student at Northwestern and I'm here for the summer and I'd, I'm wondering if you if you need an intern. And there was a very long pause, and it was Deborah on the phone, which I didn't know at the time, but there was a very long pause. She goes, Terry, do we need, do we need an intern? And she comes back, she goes, I mean, I, I can't pay you, but I could, like, buy you lunch or something. That's great. And I said, sure, no, absolutely. She's like, I mean, and I can write you a letter of recommendation or something at the end. And I was like, you, do, and I said, do you want to meet me first? And she starts laughing so hard on the phone. She goes, you're hilarious. She goes, sure. She goes, yeah, oh, of course, yes, you should come in. We should probably meet. Like, what if you're a serial killer? So I came in the next day. We immediately, we'd already obviously hit it off on the phone. We hit it off in person. And we had just the best summer. And this is sort of, I'm I'm actually getting back Mm -hmm. to a point, but um, that summer, I said I was working for this feature producer three days a week, right? And so I read scripts all summer long coverage, the whole thing. And, um, And I didn't, I have to say, even though I can't, I don't, I don't know how I didn't ever think about this. I never really had thought about the fact that you could write as a job, like, or that even people really wrote movies or TV. I don't know who I thought, how I thought, no. words. That, well, that's something I'm always like, curious about, because like, you were kind of circling the industry for a while in various regards, but the idea that someone makes these things yeah, you know, from scratch never, you know, never occurred to you. I, it never occurred to me, and that's probably really because, and you asked me if I, you know, was always a TV person or, or and, and, you know, no was, I was the answer, but I also wasn't a writer. I mean, mm-hmm. I never, I didn't keep a journal. I really didn't like writing papers for school. I wasn't like a well, big, you know, I didn't write poetry. I was, you know, but, um, you know, it wasn't that I hated writing. I just was never, it never right. was part of me really. And so I guess maybe that's why I didn't think about the people writing shows anyway. Mm-hmm. But, um, I read these scripts and, uh, you know, Many of them were not good. Most of them were not good, you know, because right. that's you're reading a hundred scripts yeah, a week. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and um, and I kept thinking, wow, like these people are like paid to do this. This is a job, and this is fun. And and then Deborah Zane handed me a script, and she said, "We read this. I'm thinking about casting this movie. 
um, I want to know what you think. So I said, sure. And I went home that night and I read this script and I was blown away. I couldn't believe what I was reading. And then I read it again in the same night. And I remember thinking, (laughs) I want to be a writer. And that script was American Beauty. And then really? she she ended up casting that movie. Interesting. And um, what was it about that script? What what uh, worked for you? I mean that that script is just you know we've all seen the movie. The script is you know just as poetic and lyrical and and beautiful as the as the movie is in its own way. I mean it's really beautifully written. Not just the dialogue, every, everything mm-hmm. about that script. And um, so it wasn't sort of the oh all these scripts are so. You know, most of these scripts are so bad, I can do this. It was more, it was like, well, it was a little bit of that. But it was also, <laughs> wow, I like, this is, this can be a really beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And this can be a really great, Interesting. you know, thing. And so I, I had one more year left of, of college. So I'm back to my, you know, senior year at Northwestern. And they actually have like an amazing three year program there called Creative Writing for the Media mm-hmm. that obviously I had lost out on because I was already a senior. <laughs> but um, I took a screenwriting class. And then uh, I took another screenwriting. So I took basically all I could take in the remaining year I had. I took two screenwriting classes and totally fell in love with it. I wrote a short and then I wrote a feature and just totally fell in love with it. And then there was like no other thing I wanted to do except to be a screenwriter. And I didn't think about TV, really. I was was thinking, oh, I'll do movies because that's sort of what I had, you know, experienced thus far uh, in that one summer. Um, so I came out to L.A. I got a job as a as a, as an assistant at William Morris. You know, I thought, oh, I'll be like just in case this doesn't work out. Right. You know, my parents were the classic like you need a backup plan thing. So I worked at um, William Morris. Uh, I made like four hundred dollars a week or something. <laughs> were you at the same time or or in those screenwriting classes? Did you turn out your own material? And how did you yes. feel about it? Yeah. I wrote, well, I wrote a short that mm-hmm. I can't even remember what that was about. Um, but I, and then I wrote a movie, the first feature, which is the classic first screenplay. I love that. Five friends on a road trip. One of them is terminally ill. <laughs> completely like horrible. I love it. Um, and uh, yeah, terrible. And um, but I had fun writing it, and mm-hmm. I you know. At the time, I didn't know it was terrible. Of course, I thought it was amazing. And, um, and you're learning something. Like yeah. the more you do it, the more you learn. Well, everybody's it's all valuable. Is bad, exactly. You know? Yeah. So, um, so I, uh, where was I? So I. Um, so you're working at William Morris. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I imagine you're still seeing a ton of scripts come through. And, yes. and doing all that stuff. Well, not a ton because I only worked there for three weeks. <laughs> <Are you kidding? laughs> I remember. What did you do? I worked. I was. I, no, I didn't. Know. It was any of that. They actually wanted to promote. I was in. A, I was in the. T- uh, t- the TV department, which is so I was, that was my first glimpse of television, TV packaging. And they wanted to promote me to the head of the department's desk within like three weeks. So I guess I was doing something right, yeah. but I was not having that much fun. And it was long hours, as everybody knows, right. you know, agency assistant work and all that. And um, you have and to want it to, you have to stick really, with it. Yeah. And I remember all I felt every day was, um, well, the first thing I felt every day was I want to know what the ratings were for Dawson's Creek and Felicity because I was obsessed with those shows. And it was my job to, like, send the emails to all the agents of, oh like, what the God. ratings were. And that Dawson's and Felicity were on Wednesdays, right? Yeah. I think you're right. And then, um, and so on third, anyway, that mm-hmm. was one thing. But That's but awesome. mostly I was thinking all these projects, you know, and submissions and things were coming across the desk and, you know, jobs and open writing assignments. And I thought, like, hmm. oh, well, I, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. I don't want to be, like, helping someone else do this, you yeah. know? And um, 
And I was making $400 a week. So, you know, and I had no time to write and all I wanted to do was write. And I'm a morning day person. I'm Mm -hmm. not a like stay up till four in the morning writing type thing. So I couldn't like come home from work and then write. So I quit after three weeks. I gave them my two week notice. So actually I worked there for five weeks (laughs) and um, I got a job as a waiter. I had done, you know, I waited tables all in in college and everything. And I made three times the amount of money waiting tables that I did (laughs) as an assistant. And I, so I waited tables at night and I wrote, um, uh, at Stir Crazy Coffee Shop on Melrose during the day. Sure. Wait a minute. When was this? This was 2000, 2001, 2002. Oh, man. I think I was there a year before you. Really? <laughs> they had a great tuna sandwich. They had good like, stuff. Really, back really then. good stuff. Yeah. And um, refills all day. Refills all day. I mean, it was all writers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all really writers. funny. Um, Victoria, Victoria Strauss, is that her name? She was always in there. Um, were you, so you were able to give yourself the discipline to write all day. Yes, and then and then slept to yeah, a restaurant and then go to a restaurant. Table. You know, and I, I would write for you know four hours or mm-hmm. five hours or something. That's a and really good stretch, though. I uh, well, I really wanted it. I really, I really wanted to to work, and I really wanted to write, and I really loved it. It for me, um, it was always a thing. I treated it like a job as well as a passion because mm-hmm. you know I thought like well everybody else is getting up and going to work, yeah. So I have to do the same thing, um, and so I. You know, I would like shower, get ready, go to stir crazy, and like treat it like my office. Yeah. I mean, still, when writers ask me for advice, yeah. my I ha- I'm like, I have no advice. I can't tell you how to be a good writer, but the only thing I can say is you have to just get up and write. Yeah. You know, it's not anything mind blowing, but you have to you have to just do it. You know, all day. And um, so, uh, you know, I was working on another movie, and then um, I got a call. So I was I, w- I was waiting tables at Authentic Cafe, like I told you, and I got a call from. Um, NBC uh, from Peter Engel's production company. <laughs> do you know who Peter Engel is? I do. Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, they did, he did Saved by the Bell and a million other shows. Yeah. And, um, and this was a little after his peak. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, no. There was already like Hang Time and Malibu CA and, uh, yeah, remember Hang Time? <laughs> and, um, and he, so, so, so someone at, so, uh, a woman named Linda Mancuso, who is no longer with us, but um, is, was amazing and inspiring and a total mentor to me eventually, um, she read that script I had written in my senior year of college. Oh, wow. That terrible thing about five kids <laughs> sure. on a road trip and one of them's terminally ill. She, wrote, she read that script and liked it, and they had a pilot that they were doing uh, or, or wanted to do. Uh, and they, but they weren't happy with the script, and they. So I guess they thought like hiring a twenty-one-year-old, you know, because it was a young teenager. You think yeah. they're like, okay, well, we'll have this young guy with this young script and whatever, you know, to rewrite this pilot. And they said, okay, uh, we have, we want to meet with you tomorrow at five. And I said, okay. And I was like, shit, I have a shift tomorrow. I'm waiting. I have a, you know, at the Red Authentic Cafe on Beverly. Do you remember that? <laughs> I, of course. That's where I waited tables. So That's so funny. And I, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever been a waiter? Uh, no. No. Um, <laughs> the, the thing about being a waiter is you, it is totally fine to miss your shift as long as you can find mm-hmm. someone else to cover your shift. And then there's no problem. So obviously I called everybody, but nobody could take my shift. Jesus. And the other thing about being a waiter is if you can't find someone to take your shift, then you just get, and you don't show up, you're fired. Right. It's not like a negotiation. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you know, so, um, 
I went to my boss, Roger. I just remembered his name. I did. Um, and I said, Roger, I here's the deal. And I just told him. I was like, you know, NBC called me. They wanted me to meet with me about this thing. He's like, well, you just got to get someone to cover you. And I said, well, I, I can't. I called everybody. To, he's like, well, then I'm going to have to fire you. He's like, I don't want to, but I'm just going to have to. He's like, what, what kind of, you know, if I don't fire you, then the next time someone, anyway. I mean, it made certain sense, you know, in a For way. For his business. For his business. So I had a decision to make. And I wasn't a, you know, now I would say, can we push the meeting to the next day or something? But then it's like, no, you know, you're 22, 20, I couldn't, I was like, well, I have to go to this meeting. So I, I let him know. I said, I'm not going to come in. I'm going to go to this meeting. And he's like, okay, well then you're fired. And I was like, okay. And I was like, well, I hope this goes well. Yeah. And um, so I went. Now to, there's everything riding on this. <laughs> everything riding on this. So I went to the meeting. I met with Linda Mancuso and Peter Engel. And they had read and liked my script. Uh, I don't know why. But um, uh, I was very flattered. And, and they told me what they wanted to do. And it was a show called, uh, I don't remember what it was called at that time, but there was, a, there was a young girl who was a singer, kind of like a country Britney Spears type, mm-hmm. uh, named Alicia Elliott. And it was, they wanted to develop a show around her. So long story short, I, I rewrote this pilot. And they shot it maybe like six weeks later. And they got on the air. And then oh it was on the God. air for a year. And so I became the staff writer. Mm-hmm. You know, because even though I'd written the pilot, right. I had no idea what I was doing. Like, none. I do want to step back for a second, though, yeah. and ask, you know, you say they read this script that you wrote as a senior, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't know what they responded to in it, but there must have been something. What do you think it was that they responded to because this was you know this was a big thing to ask of a new writer Mm -hmm. that's a good question um i think that they probably responded to i mean i haven't gone back and read that script but if i had to guess it's probably that it that that was a time when it was very in in vogue to sort of hire really young writers to write about really young people. Hmm. So that was the oh, thing. Oh, sure. I remember that on Dawson's Creek. And yeah. Ellen yeah. Felicity had that fake young writer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and look, you know, I mean, if, if, it doesn't really matter how old you are if you know what you're doing. Absolutely. You know? But um, uh, probably, I would say, dialogue. I mean, probably I would say one of my strong suits, if I had to, you know. You do. Um, uh, is, uh, is dialogue and, and an ear for dialogue and probably the way kids talked mm-hmm. and um so that, that that's probably what they responded to and and a sense of fun um definitely in that script there was a sense of fun and uh and they probably thought like well what do we have to lose like we sort of have a story here and what if we bring someone in to really like mm-hmm. give it a, a uh you know fresh pulse yeah. so so then i um i worked on that uh so you were you i were worked on, that on it for a year i was staffed on it for a year i was a staff writer Pamela Petler was the showrunner. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah. she was great. And, um, and, uh, and, you know, and a bunch of writers in between uh, who were great. Uh, Mindy Morgenstern, I remember. And, and we, we just had such a... Um, Sarah Fain and uh, Liz no, Craft. Kidding. Yeah, that was their first job. Hilarious. We were, on the, we were all staff writers together, and now they're, you know, big, giant showrunners. <laughs> I love them. And uh, they had come out of the world of writing YA books, which yeah. I think they still do. Um, Which they talked about in our podcast, yeah. listeners. There you can you check go. it out. There you go. Um, and so, so we were all on that show together. And I, that's been, how I learned to write TV. Yeah, this must have been an enormous crash course for you. An enormous crash. I mean, it was like going to grad school. Yeah. And, you know, look, it was Saturday morning, half hour, teen stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it's not, you know, drama. It's not whatever. But 
guess what? It doesn't matter. It's all the same rules. And breaking a story is breaking a story. And I absolutely learned how to break a story how to write an episode of television in, in that year. That's amazing. It and that feels like a very safe environment to do it in, too. I mean, very safe. It's one of these shows that's, it's going to go, right? It's an angle show. It's going to go. go for a it little on, while. Yeah, exactly. It was on the air for years. That's really interesting. Yeah. And, and um, also safe because there was a huge, like, craft service component to that show. Because, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> because if you, I mean, there was, like, always tons of food, which was, like, really great for, 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 all of us, because it, because Peter Engel was is like a mo was a mogul, yeah. you know, and so on, at Sunset Hour Studios there was Peter Engel Way, and all the shows were on this one street, and oh you know he filmed them all there. That's it was so funny. it was a blast. It was a great way to like cut my teeth, and then and I'm then curious, the, let me interrupt you first. Oh yeah, I'm please. curious about you know. Um, I, I worked on a syndicated show around that same time. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember what network it was for, but you know, it's hard. Even as a new writer, to care about the show, mm-hmm. you know you you're someone of taste. Right. You know this is pretty much garbage. Right. But it is like it's TV, and right. this is a great job, and it's a great opportunity. Right. How did you How did you balance that? You know, caring with learning, with getting excited and, mm-hmm. and enthusiastic and passionate about it. Right. I mean, it definitely wasn't the material that I would have written, you know, on my own. I imagine. But, you know, that it, it, you. I know exactly what you're talking about, but at a certain point, that didn't really cross my mind because I was having so much fun. I knew I was so lucky yeah. to be, to be you know, and to be getting paid and and to be, have a job to go to and to to learn this. So it's sort of, you know, I knew I was going to be working on this show forever or and all that. So I I, I sort of just really had a great time and, and took what I could from it, you know. And that's um, great. Yeah, I, and that's the attitude to go in with. I feel. Like. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I'm certainly there have been shows, you know, after that where where you feel that, and it, it's hard. I mean, you have to, you know, you're being paid to to write on a show that you don't feel um, creatively psyched about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's a show you wouldn't watch, it's hard yeah, to. Write it's hard for. to do it, but yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of people don't like their jobs. <laughs> that is true, <laughs> so, and it is better than many. And of it's them. better than many many of <laughs> yeah. those jobs. Yeah. So um, I don't want to go strictly autobiographical, but yeah. you did, I would imagine, shortly after this, sell another series? <clears throat> I mean, I feel no. like you're, you're someone who's kind of written a bunch of pilots for various entities right. as well. Yeah. Well, after that first experience, I was that was when I was 23, mm-hmm. 24, then I transitioned pretty immediately into um, primetime network yeah. drama. So I worked on a show for ABC called Veritas the Quest. Mm-hmm. Um, I had written a, in, in between, uh, you know, on my off days from, from, from that show, which was called All About Us, by the way, the NBC mm-hmm. teen show. Um, I wrote a big movie about the Great Chicago Fire because I, I thought, like, at 23 years old, it's, like, a really great idea to write a spec script that, spec script that will cost, like, $250 million <laughs> to make. Yeah. Um, but then again, it's a spec script. It's a spec so, script. So, like, why not show off and yeah. write what you're interested it in? It was so massive. It was so <laughs> It was, like, I don't know, it was, like, Titanic times three. <laughs> unproducible. Um, un- totally unproducible. Like, the fire started on page 25. It wasn't like, oh, and then the fire happens in the third act. It was like, the whole movie is like burning buildings. Oh, I would watch that now. Um, It's fun. (laughs) Anyone anyone want to buy it? Um, Yeah. But um, I... uh, Is that what helped you transition to primetime drama? Exactly. So because, you know, it would be very hard to get hired in primetime drama as a writer on a half-hour Saturday morning show. Especially then when it was... Things were much more divided. Much more divided. Yes. You know, these syndicated shows and network shows and comedy and drama. People want to put you in a box and all that. Um, So I... uh, that script helped me, so I got oh. onto this show called um, Veritas: The Quest on ABC. I, don't, I have no idea what that is. I don't either. <laughs> no, 
I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, it was a sh- I, and I know TV. <laughs> it was a show on ABC. It was about a father son archaeologist team, kind of Indiana Jonesy okay. type thing. It was on for. Um, it was actually on for. I, the season and a half, I think. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, so I was a staff writer on that. And then I was on a show called True Calling, mm-hmm. uh, starring Eliza Dushku, that was on Fox. And the showrunner on that was John Feldman, and I love him. And we, um, I mean, I love him now. I didn't know him before that. Mm-hmm. That Chicago Fire script got me hired on that show, too. And I had a great time on that show. That's, it's interesting to me, though, that that spec feature kind of served you for a number of years. Yeah, it did. Absolutely. Were you, and I only ask this because this is what I'm going through, but were you urged by your representation to turn out new original material? I was, no. At that time, they they wanted me to write specs of other shows. Oh, you know, okay. like, that was um, still the thing. That do. was still the yeah. thing to do, yeah. So did you? I did, yeah. I think I wrote, I wrote um, a Roswell. I wrote a nice. Felicity. I wrote a Once and Again. I wrote a Once and Again script as like a 24-year-old. Oh did you ever see that? I was obsessed I with that show. I loved Once and Again. It was so good. Yeah. It was so good. That's with Herskovitz's yep. world. It was so wonderful. Um, and uh, But none of those scripts ever got me jobs. It was mm-hmm. always the original material. and um, Which sort of speaks to, and I think that was the case for a lot of people, it sort of speaks yeah. to that change that happened shortly after that. Thank God. I mean, I said, I mean, when I was, uh, well, we'll get to this, but when I was staffing my first show I created, Mm -hmm. even the second one, um, people were still submitting specs of like, like, here's my ER or whatever. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to read your ear. I don't care. Yeah. Like, what is that going to show me? I mean, a lot of people think that that shows that you can mimic a, a, a creator's voice right. or, you know, all that. But I would have no idea how to read someone's spec. So I have never read anyone's spec anything because I would tell the agents, you know, send me original material. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so uh, when did when did this the first uh, original series for yeah. you happen? Well, it happened because of True Calling, actually. Um, yeah. I had written a couple of episodes of that show that I, I, I guess the studio and network really liked. And so mm-hmm. after... Th- what do you think set them apart? Well, I did this one episode. It was called The Longest Day. And it was... A tr- True Calling was sort of a, like a Groundhog Day type show, or type story where about a, Eliza Dushku plays this girl named True, True Calling, who works in a morgue. And uh, when the bodies come in... Uh, every night, one will turn to her and say, help me. And then the day rewinds, and then she has the day to save their life. Right. So I did one where the day rewound like four times and played out differently each way, like sort of a Rashomon type Mm -hmm. thing. And, uh, and, and people really liked it. And, and I, you know, and they said, do you want to, you know, create your own, basically they offered me a, a double blind script deal. I remember the studio 20th and, uh, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, you know, okay. Um, blah, you know, I, 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 was, I was scared and excited and all of that. But you must have had, I mean, especially after working in primetime on other people's shows for a couple of years, you must have had stories you wanted to tell. You must have had yeah. series that, you know, you wanted to create. Yeah, and I would be writing my own stuff, you know, mm-hmm. on, uh, you know with, the, with any downtime I had, which sure. was very little. That's but, um, you know, so I... So I you know, and I have to also definitely credit my agent at the time, who was Aaron Kaplan, who probably you know browbeat someone into giving me this deal. I don't, I don't really know how that happened, but he <laughs> he was he he was amazing. He still is amazing. He's now he's a producer and mm-hmm. has like nineteen shows on the air, um, and I love him. And he uh, anyway. So he, so I got this double blind script deal. So I did. Um, a script. I, I, I wrote two scripts that didn't go. Mm-hmm. 
um, uh, which is totally normal. Mm-hmm. You know, 90% of pilots d- don't end up going anywhere. Yeah. Then the next year, I had a script deal at Sony. And, uh, and Aaron Kaplan, my agent, introduced me to Darren Starr. So I met Darren, who is so lovely and smart and fun and funny, and he's one of my best friends to this day. But, uh, you know, we started talking about ideas, and, and I, wrote a, uh, I wrote a spec um, under that deal. Uh, rather than... Rather you than had pitch. the deal, but rather than pitch it. Yeah, I think I pitched around a few that. ideas, then then they didn't sell. Okay. And the way those deals worked, and I think they still work the same way, is uh, you know like a blind script. You have to you have to pitch basically until you sell something, yeah. and then write this. So like I pitched a couple things, and they didn't get any traction, but they still owed me. I still owed them a script. Right. They still you know. So I had this idea, and I wrote uh, about a family on the run. Mm-hmm. And, called, and did you decide to write it because it was? A difficult pitch, or because the pitches hadn't been getting traction, or because like pitch season was over okay. and like no one you like had to I, had, I had to write a script. Yeah, and there I was a ticking clock. There was a ticking clock. Yeah, like I didn't set anything up. Oh, funny, I was freaking out. Right, <laughs> and I remember Darren and I um, sat down and just uh, he started talking about ideas, and this idea sort of came to me about a family on the run uh, hiding out in this town, and the father had been accused of something uh, that he didn't do or did, maybe, mm-hmm. and. Um, and that show was on spec. And I, we sent it out in January when all the pilots are getting, yeah. you know, when all the scripts really come in. Really late. Right. Well, like when all the, everybody else's scripts that they pitched, right. those scripts are that coming in. That have been in, developed for the past that have been six de- months. That have been developed to, into the ground yeah. <laughs> um, for, the, for the last six. So, um, and I had this spec. And so we sent it to, um, to Don Ostroff. Who had just started a new network called the CW, because that was the year the WB and UPN yeah. merged. And uh, long story short, she read it and really liked it and, and bought it. And that was wow. the first drama, the first new drama on the CW. Interesting. And it lasted for three episodes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's amazing. I mean, it, it feels like in addition to the talent, you know, to the the goods being there on the page. The timing was right. The like here was a network that could yeah. buy something, could take a risk, uh, and take a chance on you. Mm-hmm. Um, they totally that's took really a risk. interesting. And and you know it didn't. Uh, that show was was pretty dark actually in comparison mm-hmm. to what the CW became at least for those first ten years ish. But um, you know it was Donnie Wahlberg and Leslie Hope and uh, well Don- it had adults in it first of all. Yeah, it had adults <laughs> in it first of all. Right, exactly. And uh, and you know Donnie was on the played a father on the run with his family because he was accused of murdering his mistress. Oh, and wow. they you know they're hiding out in this town. It was very sort of like running on empty ish <laughs> and kind of bleak um, and sort of sad. Like these teenagers had to their kids had to start like over in this small town and use different names and you know all that. It was I, I mean That's cool. Yeah, I stand by that show. I like that show. But I, you know it was so not what this you know then right. then it was like Gossip Girl. Right. You know. Yeah. Uh, left to your own devices is this. What is the kind of script you would write? I mean, you know, you talk about Roswell and Dawson's Creek and Felicity yeah. and Once and Again, and that's very different from uh, even the shows that you were placed on mm-hmm. as a writer, like mm-hmm. Veritas and True Calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What's the stuff that interests you? What's What's yeah. the go to? I mean, even Wayward Pines is very different very from different. a lot of this. Stuff. You know, I would say it's evolved. Um, it, it has evolved. Uh, you know, in my 
in my 20s, I, I, I was writing a lot of younger characters and having fun with that and some romantic comedy stuff. Um, I wrote a couple movies for ABC Family. <laughs> I wrote a movie that Bradley Cooper starred in like right before he became a famous huge movie star. Oh it was called I Want to Marry Ryan Banks, and it had a very funny theme song that people still will quote back to me all the That's time. Awesome. Um, but it was about the behind the scenes of a reality show. It was like The Bachelor, and mm-hmm. anyway. But um, So I wrote that for ABC Family, and... Um, so that was the kind of stuff I was writing then, and then, you know, at the, and, and and then it sort of evolved. And I, I I liked writing for that show True Calling, and and you know it was always sort of uh, back and forth between mysteries and thrillers and and soaps. And you know, because when hmm. when you're a young writer, I think people think you want to just write about young silly things, mm-hmm. which I guess you know in a way I sort of did, but they want to put you in that box. And it was always hard for me. It still is, you know, cause I write l- lots of different things and it interests me to go back and forth between like a psychological thriller and a musical mm-hmm. and a romantic comedy and, uh, you know, a, a, a thriller, mm-hmm. or a drama. Um, so, you know, for better or for worse, you know, I, I like to write all sorts of things. Well, and um, what for you is the common thread? Like, what's the thing yeah. that you latch on to? Well, for me, it's, you know, for me, it's it's all about the character. It's all about, who you know, who, who, whose eyes are we seeing this story through? And usually it's, uh, you know, an ordinary person in an extraordinary situation, which we all talk about a lot. But, I mean, that that really is, to me, mm-hmm. sort of the key, like that sort of whether it's Twilight Zone or, or, you know, or Pretty Woman. I mean, you have, you have, you know, a, a normal person who's suddenly thrust into some crazy mm-hmm. situation. And that, to me, is the common thread. But, you know, as I, uh, you know, if I look at something like Wayward Pines and then compare it to, you know, I wrote a musical last year based yeah. on um, the movie Holiday Inn. Yeah. Could not be more different. Yet, to me, it's like building story and structuring a story and, and finding it the voices of your characters, it's all the same set of tools. Hmm. And then it's just the icing that's different. Like, sure. the cake is always the Absolutely. same. Absolutely. You know, and then it's just Absolutely. like, how do you decorate yeah. it? The, the backdrop changes. Yeah. But yeah. it's still these characters yeah. bumping into each other. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as a, as, a, as a writer working in this business, like, you know, you kind of have to be able to do that because, it, it, you know, if you if someone hires you to do a thing and you want a job and you need the money or whatever, like you need to be able to to do that thing yeah. or to, or or you don't have to, but you know, <laughs> right. it, but but you can is I guess my point is that if you're if you're a writer with a good set of tools, then then you can write anything. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah it, yeah, it absolutely makes sense as long as it inspires you in some way. Well, and that's this is what I kind of wanted yeah. to get to with Wayward Pines, and mm-hmm. you know, we'll kind of we can gloss over some of the other stuff. Because I do want to talk about this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I told you before we started, I watched it last night. I really enjoyed it. You did? I that's really, so, really did. so nice. And Thank I don't like so anything. <laughs> um, no, it's real. I mean, it, it's. I knew nothing about it except that the title is redolent of Twin Peaks. Right. Um, and that was it. Uh-huh. Really. Yeah. Uh, and I'm it's glad. And it's got this because Shyamalan you know, connection. Right. He directed the pilot. He directed the pilot. Um, which is really beautiful. Thank you. Um, but the story is so expertly told. I mean, it's really, it's it's doled out in a way that is suspenseful and funny and weird and creepy. Uh, and it's got, like, prisoner DNA in it, yep. which I love. Absolutely. Um, how, how did you land on this project? So I read the book. Um, a couple of, it's, you know, Wayward Pines is based on a book. It's actually based on a trilogy. Yeah. Um, but at that time, it was in May 2012, Two and a half years ago, the book came to me, and it was a couple months before it was about to be published. Hmm. And I read this book in a day. 
I flipped through that thing so fast. I needed to know what was going on, what was happening, what did this mean? And I remember thinking the whole time, there's so many twists and turns and mystery, uh, mysterious things that happen and things that don't make sense that I thought there is no way that this writer is going to end this in any way that will be satisfying. This is going to be so disappointing, and I'm going to be so bummed out at the end of this book. Because it's, there's, he throws so many... His name is Blake Crouch, the author of this book. He throws so many um, wrenches into the story and, and question marks and, uh, and, and, like I said, things that seemingly don't make sense that, that you're just thinking, there's no, there's no answer to this. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to the end of the book and the answer came... I was so blown away because it was bulletproof. Hmm. I mean, absolutely 100%. Holy shit. This is the best idea ever. Like, wow. I, I, I couldn't believe that, you know, That's because awesome. we've all seen so many shows or read so many books or whatever, you know, so many forms yeah. of stories that, that string you along or lead you on. And, and, oh, there's this thing and that thing. And, and, and don't worry, we're, there's going to be an answer to what this all is. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there either isn't an answer or when you get the answer, it's not satisfying. Right. You know? And I have to say, even in the pilot, you there's such, it's told with such confidence. Oh, thanks. Um, that it never feels like you're going to be disappointed Good. By issue, uh, issue mm-hmm. by episode ten. Mm. Um, how, how do you accomplish that? Was it having uh, well, foundation? So well, uh, here's what happened. So I, when I read the book, I and I set it down. I thought there is no way I can pitch this. If I go try yeah. to pitch this show, it's going to sound like another creepy small town show, which they everybody hears every week. Absolutely. A. B. I'm going to be met with the most blank, expressionless, confused faces from executives, because it is a confusing, very mysterious, very... It really makes no sense on a certain level. And as and, but a pitch, it's, it would take forever and right. be confusing. And forever yeah. confusing, and it's not supposed to make sense. But but right. but the nature of a pitch is question-answer, like, what does this mean, and where does it go? And da, yeah. da, da. and so it would take away all the mystery, so I thought, I'm just going to write this. Hmm. I'm just going to sit... And, I, and also, I just wanted to. It was. That's it was great. so. It was. I would talk about inspiring. That book totally was inspiring. All I wanted to do was sit down for the next month and write that spec. That's awesome. And you may be noticing that spec is sort of a recurring theme because everything that I've that has that I've done that has been successful, save for one thing, really, hmm. was um, on spec. Really. Um, yeah. I just you know for me, uh, I feel that those scripts turn out better than ones that are developed. You know, for yeah. me, for me personally. Um, well, and we do hear it both ways, but it, it yeah. absolutely makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and look, that's not to say that um, other people's input isn't something that I seek, because it absolutely mm-hmm. is. It's just that that first draft, mm-hmm. being able to get that out of you and, and be inspired on your own and find it, mm-hmm. um, I think is more exciting and um, turns uh, and leads to a better script. So yeah. there's so, a great discovery process. Yeah, there. there's a discovery process. And 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 then you the writer know the show better. Mm-hmm. Like the show that I would pitch after writing the pilot is so much better than yeah. the pitch before writing the pilot cuz cuz as much as you think you know about the show you're going to write, you really don't. Yeah. I mean, you know something, but I um But now you've lived in this world. You've lived, you've in lived in with it. these characters. So and, and and so I wrote that script and I wrote it in uh three and a half weeks and just 
because I immediately saw what I wanted to do. Hmm. And I, you know, there was like two or three things I knew I wanted to change. And then I wanted to keep, you know, it was obviously a whole job of like condensing and, and timelines and, yeah. and switching and characters and things like that. But, um, but I saw it so clearly. And I, I, I so I wrote it in, in, in just under a month. Then were you under I, a deal somewhere at the time? No. Oh wow! I was writing a couple, a couple of other pilots for okay. networks, but you so know, you were developing. I was developing, time, but then I, this was like a third thing yeah. that I was like, I have to do this. That's you know, amazing. So I wrote that script, and then I sent it to my agent, <clears throat> and he's like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "He's like, you're writing two pilots already." I was like, I know, but I wrote this one just now, and I really want you to read it. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. And he, like, didn't read it for a week. And then I was Hilarious. like, no, you really need to read the script. Um, I think it's good. I don't know, but I think it's good. And so then he's like, okay, fine, I'll read it tonight. So then I got an email from him at, like, you know, I woke up the next morning, and there was an email at, like, 3 a.m., huh. and the email just said, holy shit. And, <laughs> you know, and I really do, you know... You know, I, I know you like you like the pilot, and, and and I liked my script. But I have to really, you know, credit the author, a Blake Crouch, mm-hmm. for for what it is, because the big idea of what it is and all that is his, and it is, um, it's great. So anyway, so well, and it felt like you were inspired by having that solid foundation to stand on, mm-hmm. where you could then make it your own. You yeah. could you could be these characters. Absolutely. So I mean, I would. You know, it's such a great. Um, it was such a, such fun to write that script because you are in Ethan's head. Ethan is the character mm-hmm. played by Matt Dillon, who is the Secret Service agent who comes to this small town called Wayward Pines to look for two other Secret Service agents who went missing there. As you know, you saw it. But it's very much, um, the first episode is very much from his point of view, and you're just with him the whole time. And so it's a real mindfuck, and um, it's a fun read. And so, uh, anyway, so, so my agent... Uh, had you know immediately we were like okay well let's like package this with the director or something so we can mm. take this out like let's take it out and sell it as a spec um and and that's how we you know got that's how that that's got started crazy. did did anyone early on your agent or anyone else you showed it to have notes for you on it um <laughs> no not really. That's great. Not really. I mean, little, you know, there was a, sure. a producer I was working with who, who brought me the book, who, who, you know, little little things here and there, mm-hmm. like we can make that clearer or something mm-hmm. like that. But you had such a strong vision for this from the beginning. Yeah. And, because and, you were so passionate about I, it. I was so things. passionate about it. And, you know, people always talk about that. Like, like write what you're passionate about. Well, that's not so easy. Like, sometimes you have to write something you're not passionate about yeah. or you have to, or, or, you, or you like it a lot. But this was really an experience where I felt so fortunate and lucky and like really 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 passionate that I wanted to wake up every day and do this and, and live in that world and it was just fun to write That's exciting I mean I remember I, I I beat out the outline just on one sheet of paper I was mm-hmm. you know because I'd read the book I was like one two three four you know mm-hmm. I was like 28 beats here it is da, da, da. and then I just started writing it hmm. and um and it was just fun yeah and uh you know that that kind of experience doesn't happen all the time. But we uh, went out and you know we got um, M Night Shyamalan attached to direct the pilot, and uh, he really liked it too. I went out to meet him at his um, farm in in Philadelphia, <laughs> and uh, and um, and then we went out with the script and 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 had a lot of places interested in buying it and, yeah. and sold it to Fox. And and got this, what is it, 10 episodes? 10 episodes, yeah. And is, is this a, I apologize, I'm sure this is well trod, but is no, this no, a complete please. story? Does it tell the entire series? Is it one book? How does it work? It tells the complete story of the three books. So there are, the two more books came out in the last two years. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a trilogy. And um, 
and you know, Blake was writing, Blake Crouch was writing books two and three sort of while I was writing hmm. the Bible for the show. And, you know, he, he had, he knew exactly where book two went and, and book three. And so I was sort of, you know, taking cues from him every now and then I would come up with something for the show that, and he would say, wait, can I steal that and put it in the books? <laughs> so, you know, it was a little bit of a two way street. Yeah. yeah. It was really wild. Really? And, and, Blake and I, you know, I didn't talk to Blake at all during the writing of the pilot um, because, you know, when you're adapting someone's work, there's that, you, you for some reason, I don't know what, where it's written, but that, that, that authors and the people adapting their work should hate each other. Yeah. And, you know, and I uh, thought, oh, God, I'm changing some things and he's going to hate this and da, da, da. And um, he, when he read the pilot, uh, he called me and he was like, oh my God, I'm so happy. Da, 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 like, this is so great. Oh, anyway, and we got along so well during the whole whole uh, production of the show. He wrote two episodes of the show. Oh, no way. Yeah. He was co- contracted to write one. Uh-huh. And I was like, fuck. Like, you know, <laughs> all right, we have to give it to him. Like, the author right, throw has... Throw him a bone. Throw I'm him a bone. doing a lot of rewriting. Yeah, exactly. The, he'll, he'll write the script and then I'll just rewrite the whole thing exactly. and that's fine. And then he sent me the script and it was amazing. And I was like, how do you know how to Holy do shit. this? And, you know, he he totally wrote a script. I mean, like, perfectly formatted. I mean, not that that's the most important thing. That's the least important thing. But just that goes a long way. It does. Like, he knew exactly what to do, and it was so well written. I said, do you want to write another one? Great. You know, so so he did. And actually, since we've written two new pilots together. But, um, yeah, he's he's based on uh, other things he's written. How cool. So, uh, yeah, Blake is fantastic. And... um, I, I don't remember where we where we were. Right, right, but so right. so once once the deal was in place, once Fox committed to it, um, how did it work? Did you have a writers' room? Was it all freelance? What I mean, it feels no. like it has to be such a singular vision. Um, well, what was so great about this the format of an, uh, this event series model and ten episodes straight to series is that okay, so they had bought the pilot. And along with buying the pilot, they bought a Bible that I hadn't yet written. But they said, okay, we want to do this 10 episodes straight to series, but we want to know where this is going, obviously. So I wrote a Bible that, you know, and it was so, it was such a luxury because normally you're like, you know, especially in network television, you're writing and producing at the same exact time. And, you know, your show gets picked up May 16th. Then you start shooting, you start shooting, you know, your writer's room starts June 1st. Then you start shooting six weeks later. And you're like, I don't know what the fuck this show's about. <laughs> and, you know, and you have these writers who are like, neither do we. But, you know, let's, you know, let's talk about it. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where, yeah. And, um, but, but this was such a luxury because I had about four months to write the Bible. And so what I did was I just wrote, it was, I remember it was like 110 pages. I wrote this essentially nine more outlines hmm. in prose form. Yeah. Um, and, and then I knew exactly, so I could know exactly where the show was going. I could take my time doing it. And the best part was that, you know, I would be like breaking episode nine and you're, or, you know, writing, writing the Bible chapter of episode mm-hmm. nine and then think, Oh, you know, what would be so great is if I could, put something in episode two to set this thing up. And so I just, I mean, easy enough, go back to the, yeah. that nothing had been shot yet. So I, so I, at the, in the end of writing this Bible, I had the entire show and, and was able to put in setups and payoffs in a way that you can't do yeah. normally. So we, I, you know, so I finished writing the Bible, turned it into Fox. They really liked it. And then we started, um, looking for an actor uh mm-hmm. and uh and then we found matt dillon mm-hmm. and then then the show was like officially like now we're going and then three months later we were shooting it and and who how many different entities wrote the scripts um 
A few, yeah. I had so there was there was obviously me. I wrote the first three, mm-hmm. um, and then from the Bible we had uh, you know other writers, and I didn't have a traditional writers' room. Okay, uh, I brought in basically writers I had worked with before to essentially write. I guess you could call them outside scripts mm-hmm. because they were just. I would say here's the here's the Bible. Right. Write episode four. You know, right episode six. Yeah. So we would meet and we, you know, talk about it and everything. But the story, thanks to the books, thanks to right. the Bible, thanks to, because they said to me, you know, do you want a writer's room? Do you need a, I mean, they didn't say, do you want a writer's room? They said, so do you need a writer's room? Right. And I said, <laughs> where can I, we save money on this? Yeah. You don't need a writer's room, right? <laughs> um, and so I, but I, but I truthfully, you know, didn't really, because I thought, well, what, you know, I love writer's rooms, by the way, but. I thought, well, I have this 110-page Bible. Like, what are we going to do? Right. We're going to sit around and... Writer's room is often for breaking story. For breaking the story, yeah. broken the story. I had broken the story, right. And things changed, of course, like mm-hmm. once we got into shooting. And that's when it would have been nice to have a couple more writers around, because when you're in the middle of production mm-hmm. and you have to change the whole storyline and whatever, I mean, it, sure. it ended up being a lot of work. But um, but that's okay. It was fun. And, uh, yeah, so there, no, so there wasn't a traditional writer's room. I had writers who came who came to do a few episodes here and there. And then once we got into production, I did hire a couple of writers to be, like, sort of permanent mm-hmm. fixtures. Uh, these, these, these guys named the Duffer Brothers, who are great, Matt and Ross Duffer, and they are um, really great writers. And, and finding the tone of that show... Um, was really hard, you know. Yeah, we wanted to talk about that. Yeah, we, were, we we had a few other writers who were, you know, great people, and you know, it's just, I don't know, it's a hard, it's a hard tone to find, and it's not, you know, something you can really teach or, or anything. It's just mm-hmm. sort of. And a, obviously, there was nothing to look at. There was no basis other than right. I would assume the the pilot script, the pilot script, and um, you know, the books, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but you know, we had a, a, a great time doing it. I mean, that's the thing. It was, it, it, it's only 10 episodes, mm-hmm. which by the way, when you're in the middle of shooting 10 episodes, <laughs> it doesn't feel like only 10. Right. It's craziness. But, um, but, and it's a big, 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 big show. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, you'll see as you watch more of the episodes, if you watch them, um, it's, uh, it's big. It's, it's very much like a movie. Um, so did it ever feel story-wise? Did it ever feel too big? Were there wrong paths that you went down? How did you How did you steer both into the tone and into mm-hmm. keeping the story streamlined? Um, you know the, the the stories in the the story of the books is 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 pretty streamlined itself. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if I had uh, if I had strictly adapted the first book into mm-hmm. episodes of television, I would have gotten to the truth of what Wayward Pines is at the end of episode three. Mm-hmm. It's very lean mm-hmm. um, and mean and great and really well written. Um, but you know, I had to actually expand, and and oh, so to, cool. so, to, to, so I got to put like my own stuff in there mm-hmm. and cha- and change change things. But no, I don't think it ever became um, you know uh, wrong paths or any of that because mm-hmm. because we had time to write all the scripts before we shot them before we shot the pilot yeah so we sort of knew you know and then things changed but they changed in a way that was um like i'll give you a a specific example hope davis comes into the show in episode four to play a teacher and she was originally i had her only in uh that character in two episodes Mm -hmm. but then what hope davis did on screen was so fantastic and crazy and funny and i can't wait for everybody to see it that i I was like, she has to be in every episode. Like, this has to, like, are you available? 
because I was like, you need to like <laughs> stick around. And so she was. And so that changed, you know. And so, you know, rewriting in, in that kind of way or, or, or let's strip out this this one little plot line to make room for this other thing. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it was me and the Duffer Brothers, basically. Wow. And the three of us did all the writing. And Blake. Blake, you know, wrote two episodes. That's great. So, yeah. Um, there, it's, it occurs to me, it, it occurred to me in watching the pilot that, you know, I said I didn't know anything about it, but it's mm. also a show that is kind of unexpectedly great, and I say that in the way that, like, Fargo was, too. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't expect much from right. Fargo. Right. And it turned out to be a phenomenal, you know, yeah. ten episodes of television, right. and I feel like Wayward Pines is going to be the same way, where it okay. seems like one thing, but it's really so much more. From your mouth, yeah. Um, <laughs> and and it, it feels to me like this is the era of television we're entering, where mm-hmm. you have to push things a little bit more, you have to push things in different directions more. Mm-hmm. Was this in the script? Was it you know, something, did the network have you push more? Did Shyamalan have you push more? Or was it, you know, you is mean it just the, part and parcel of the book? In the pilot that you watched? Yeah. Basically? You know, not very much changed script-wise from the pilot that I wrote in those three and a half weeks to when we shot it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, little things I'm sure here and there, but right. the, you said there was a confidence to the, to the pilot script and I, you know, take that as a huge compliment and thank you. But that, and, and that comes from, I don't know, there was, there was something that happened to me that month that I was writing it that just was like, I know how this mm. should be. And I knew that if I, like I told you, if I had pitched it and developed that, it would have been like, well, we need more in the pilot. Mm-hmm. We need to know more yeah. because by the time you get to the end of the pilot, you feel like you know a lot, but you actually, you know, you're like, I, I need to see yeah. episodes. It's only thing. questions. It's I questions. So many questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, but it's fun questions, and that's yeah. what is so exciting about the show is that, sure, everyone wants to know what the big picture is. What's the what's right. the big answer to the big question? Okay, and that's that comes uh, halfway through the season. By the way, that's great. You learn that uh, halfway through, but all along the way, it's just this fun game of like setups and <laughs> answers and questions and wait the you know the crickets are actually like coming from a speaker so in a bush and you know and and why can't he get a line a phone line outside of town and and who is this woman on the other end of the line that actually answers his call once she finally does mm-hmm. i mean it's all a bunch of questions and it's so fun and um i like living in that world of like what is this what is this what is this mm-hmm. but i also think we're in a new era of now that you know it's almost more interesting of like now once we know the truth what do we do with that? Mm-hmm. You know, because so we get the truth halfway through the season and then the truth is so massive that you go like, I'm almost more interested in now what? That's great. We've seen lots of shows that are, what is it? Yeah. And that's definitely part of the show. But the fun is in all the little mysteries along the way. Mm-hmm. And then in the, okay, now we've got this big problem on our hands. What do we do? Mm-hmm. And I will say, I will add to that. Even what I think this show, what you do really well in the script of this show is even the scenes that are not about the mysteries mm-hmm. uh, or don't seem to be about the mysteries are scenes that are alive. Mm. You know, they're they're fun to watch because the characters cool. are appealing and engaging. Um, it was so it was so fun. The voices of these characters are so weird and so odd and and so fun to write. And you know, the, they all the fun of it is that. Some of them know what the truth is, and some of them don't. And who's playing with who, and who, you know. So it makes the scenes very dynamic, and and then there's room in the tone to be just fun and mm-hmm. silly. Like you know, 
I remember the day before we shot this, the first scene with Terrence Howard and Matt Dillon, where Matt, where, where, where Matt Dillon comes to the sheriff's office to say that he's found one of these Secret mm-hmm. Service agents dead. And Terrence Howard is sitting there, like, licking an ice cream cone and so t- talking about it. The day before, I came up with that. It's like, let's have him doing something weird. I don't know. Like, what? I don't know. And I was like, maybe he's, like, licking ice. Maybe he's, like, eating ice cream cones. And then, and so it was, but, but the tone of the show allows for yes, it, you know? For sure. And then it was like, what should the line be? And I remember my, my, my dad's favorite ice cream flavor is rum raisin, which I always thought was so bizarre. <laughs> like, as a kid, I was like, gross, rum raisin. So I just wrote that line, rum raisin, you like rum raisin. And that Hilarious. was hilarious. Now that that's in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> is it really? Yeah. So nuts. Uh, well, I think people are really going to enjoy the show. What is the premiere date? So. Uh, May 14th. Which is when this podcast will come out. So it comes oh, out cool. this week. Um, watch the show. I think people will dig it. It's it's a lot of fun, and it's really nice looking. Oh. Uh, well acted, well cast, well written. Uh, congratulations on that. We wrap Thank up, so as much. we always do, by asking you, what are you watching on TV these days? What's getting you excited or inspired to write your own stuff? Empire. Really? I'm obsessed with Empire. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I don't think I've watched a network Funny. show in so, so long, but it's it's actually the first show I think I've watched since, like, Dawson's Creek. And it's also on Wednesday nights, <laughs> isn't it? Um, like, when it's actually on, you know? Like, when, when, when the show is actually on. Because we DVR everything, yeah. obviously. But no, I think it's so... That show is, you know, it's... it's You could say it's a guilty pleasure, whatever, soapy, uh, fun. But it is... It's it's truly brilliant what they're doing over there. I mean, it's it's pretty brilliant. And it also has Terrence Howard in it. Who's <laughs> so, great. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you so much for being here, Chad. Thank you. Had a blast. Now leaving Nerdist.com.